You're listening to another 99.9 The Wild interview. This is how people do it now. They have their interviews on the internet. I like it. Welcome back to The Quad on 99 The Wild. I'm Nick, that's Donovan, and that is Demetrius. I'm here with Pro Football Hall of Fame voter Shereen Williams. How are you doing, Shereen? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good out here. For once, it's actually kind of warm now, so don't have to worry about that. So with how crazy this offseason has been going and all the moves, I mean, even today we just had the news that Tyree Kill is now a Dolphin, and obviously all the huge news going around, like Devontae Adams is a Raider now, Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Brown. Have you ever seen an offseason like the one the NFL is going through right now? I have not, and, and it's a really great question. I made this point on our show last week. You know, I've done this since 1994, and that was the first year of unfettered free agency, uh, and, and similar to the free agent system that, that we have now. And in all my years of doing this, almost 30, I've never seen an offseason like this one. And really, it started to change, I would say, two years ago when, when you saw the quarterbacks change teams, including Tom Brady. Uh, leave and, and go to Tampa and win a Super Bowl. That's when we started to see some of these big names go to other teams, and then it's just increased every year since. And now here we are, you know, uh, two years later, and, and it's everything's hitting the fan this offseason. It's really been kind of wild with, with what we've seen. And, and uh, on our show yesterday, Mike Forio asked, you know, what's next? And I don't, neither one of us saw Tyreek Hill coming. And so I'll ask the question today, what's next? Because there's going to be something unforeseen that's still going to happen this offseason. And, and it could be as soon as tomorrow. I mean, it's just been crazy. That's really cool to hear. What do you think is the biggest trade or free agency move this offseason with all the huge moves and all the big names like Adams to Oakland, today Hill to Miami, Watson to Cleveland, Russ getting traded to the Broncos, Ryan moving to the Colts. What, in your opinion, was the biggest free agent or trade of this offseason? Well, all of those that you named obviously are huge. And, and I, you know, if we went back, Watson was the only one that we would have foreseen happening. But I don't know that anybody would have predicted that he was going to Cleveland. But you always look at the quarterback position first, and that's what helps the team most. And so I, I still have to point to Watson as probably being the biggest offseason move uh, with, A, what the Texans got in their rebuild out of the draft picks, and B, what Cleveland got in, in what they hope is a franchise quarterback now. I mean, they've tried so many different ways to find that franchise quarterback and haven't been able to do it. And now they think they have that guy. They certainly have the team around him. So I would still point probably to Deshaun Watson as being uh, the biggest offseason move that we've seen. But, you know, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams are huge as well. And, and I think it gives their teams – uh, a great chance to, to go and win. And the Raiders have made some big moves and the Dolphins have made some big moves. Getting Teron uh, Armstead yesterday was huge for the Dolphins. And um, so all these moves that we've seen have, have really been um, have really been monstrous. But I would point to, to Deshaun Watson probably as the biggest one. And, you know, Tom Brady didn't change teams, but I don't know that I saw him coming back to the Buccaneers. And now that gives them a chance. But the other thing I would I would say that's been kind of wild is all the talent or most of the big name talent, all that we're talking about, it, it is gone to the, the AFC. I mean, just especially when you look at those teams in the AFC West, it's just crazy. And there are very few teams, I think, in the NFC that could 
go to the AFC, uh, go to the AFC and compete. And there's going to be some really good teams in the AFC that don't make the postseason that probably would make it, maybe even win a division in the NFC. It's just going to be a crazy year, I think. But the AFC is just stacked. Like you said, mentioning the AFC West, one of the bigger names that has been moving this offseason was Russell Wilson to the Broncos. And obviously, we just got rid of Bobby Wagner. So how would how should Seahawk fans feel after trading Russ and getting the draft capital and the players that we got in that trade? Well, I think the draft capital was great, especially after what they gave up for Jamal Adams. It was just too much that they gave up for him. I think that'll go down probably as one of the worst trades in NFL history, uh, giving up that much for a safety who's just not that valuable. Uh, to a team, but they've gotten some of those picks back. It's going to be a rebuild. I I find it hard to believe that Drew Locke is going to start for the Seahawks on day one of this season. I will be really surprised if that happens. And I know they want to re-sign Geno Smith, but he's not the answer either. So I'm going to be surprised if they don't end up with the Baker Mayfield, with the Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is probably less likely simply because that would be a trade within division. I don't know that that's going to happen, but you know, Baker Mayfield, you could probably get for next to nothing. Um, and his contract's not that big and you could probably may even be able to extend it and, and get it for less. Um, if the, if you think that he can possibly be your franchise guy, now I don't know if he is or not, and I don't know that they know that he is or not, but he's certainly better than Drew Locke. He's accomplished more than Drew Locke. Um, so I, I still, whatever it is, whether it's draft, whether it's a trade for Baker Mayfield, whatever it is, I just find it really hard to believe that Drew Locke's going to be their day one starter. All right, Shereen Williams, writer for Pro Football Talk. Hello, Shereen. My name is Donovan. Uh, speaking of Seahawks, I am an absolute 49ers fan. You know, I hate the Seahawks with a passion. <laughs> so since we're on the topic of free agency, I want to know your opinion. on uh, What should the 49ers do with Jimmy G? Should they keep him since the market has closed down, or should they yeah. still keep looking for quarterback suitors? I think at this point, their phone's not ringing off the hook, so I think you just sit on him at this point, and then you have two options at quarterback. The thing I think you kind of worry about is what happened in Miami with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Um, you know, they kept pulling Tua his rookie season and, and putting Ryan Fitzpatrick in whenever Tua would get in trouble. And, and that may have stunted his growth a little bit. So you don't want to stunt the growth of Trey Lance, who's now sat almost an entire season, played a few games last season, started a few games last season. So you don't want to stunt his growth at the same time. If he struggles, you have another answer there to, to put in at quarterback because you think you have a good team around them to contend. You just need one of those quarterbacks to play well. However, having said all that, if you have a quarterback that gets hurt from another team and, and that makes Jimmy G perhaps a little more in demand and you get more form, then I think you pull the trigger. So if it's me, I'm holding on to him at this point until I get – something of value for him and if I don't I'm fine having him on my team for next year you know he he's a team player it's not going to be like a Baker Mayfield or someone else who wouldn't remain on the team as a good solid backup Orion Fitzpatrick is a perfect example of that Jimmy G will be fine working with Trey Lance and being a backup another thing that people don't really know is that you were a pro football hall of fame voter so with that being said, when you go to a bet for a Dallas player, since you vote for the Dallas area, yeah. in front of a Hall of Fame committee, 
what goes into your pitch or is it totally different every time is it the same setup is there some is there different uh, accolades that you don't speak for others but you speak for some so like what is the process behind that well, you know, I think there's certain things that you want to look for in a Hall of Famer. We call it checking the boxes, you know, Pro Bowls, All Pros, All Decade Team, MVP awards, Defensive Player of the Year, whatever it might be, any awards that they've achieved. Obviously, championships plays into that when you're when you're checking the boxes, and then statistics, um, which sometimes you can't just base it solely on statistics, especially at like let's say the receiver position, which has changed so much in the history of the game, and the numbers are just outrageous now. But so it's sort of the same in that you're looking to check all those boxes for a player and and that's kind of the theme of of your speech is you know here's all the boxes that this guy checks and i think he's a hall of famer for for these reasons so sometimes it takes longer to get guys in you know i've I've had um larry allen was the very first player that i personally presented and he was really really easy and he got in as a first ballot hall of famer um, others I've presented, Charles Haley, you know, took way longer and probably longer than should have. But that's the hard ones when you have to do it repeatedly. Uh, I've done John Lynch, his took a long time. But it's hard when you when you have to come up with a different speech every year when they don't get in. Okay, I got to do something else to convince them that this speech wasn't good enough to convince them. Let me try to take a, a different angle. Let me go this way. So. That's the harder part is when it's four, five, six, seven years in and you're trying to find a, a different angle, a different speech to, to make for somebody. Because you feel like they should be a Hall of Famer and I've presented well for X number of years. Why isn't this person in? So those are the harder ones, I think, when when you're presenting them year after year after year and they're not getting in. All right. So with that being said. In the Hall of Fame thing, not everything can go positive. There are going to be some negatives. There are going to be some disagreements. Uh, that not everybody's going to agree. Some people think this person shouldn't make it for this reason. This person shouldn't make it for this reason. So with that being said, uh, how have you ever had to speak for a player that you didn't think was worthy or had disagreed with them as a person? Um, yeah, there's probably been a couple that I I – wasn't going to push real hard for that I truly didn't think was a Hall of Famer. And, you know, most of those aren't Cowboys players. And, you know, when it gets down to the final five, it's a simple yes-no vote. And there have been many times when a player has gotten into that final five that I didn't vote into the final five, but on the yes-no vote, I have always voted yes uh, for that player because I just think once they get to that point of, of the final five that, that they're deserving for that honor. So I've never voted no on the final vote for, for anybody. I've, I've always voted yes. And there may be some when I was like, eh, you know, well, this person should have gone in over him and um, at this particular time. But um, I've never voted, never voted no for, for any of them. I just think uh, that's doing a disservice to the player and the, and the process to say no once they've hit the hit the final five okay uh i'm demetrius with 99.9 the wild i'm here with shireen williams nfl and cowboys beat writer for 28 years how are you doing i'm good how are you doing good um since you're talking about the draft um what do you think about the cowboys free agency method and offseason so far 
Well, they still have some work to do, and this has kind of been their MO since they uh, signed Brandon Carr to the 50.1 million dollar deal um, 10 years ago. Uh, they did that on the first day of free agency, really made a splash, and he didn't really live up to expectations. And so the Cowboys kind of changed from that point on how they operated in free agency, and they haven't signed a player in the first wave of free agency since then. They've kind of waited and, and got some bargain deals. I like the two outside free agents they brought in. Uh, and James Washington, uh, I think he's a, an outstanding uh, receiver. And I think he's going to do really well. I think he's underrated as a receiver. I think he'll, he he's not as good as Mari Cooper, but I, I certainly think he's uh, a good replacement in that you've committed to C.D. Lamb as your number one receiver. And then, you know, Dante Fowler, again, I don't know that he's as good as Randy Gregory, uh, but he fills certainly a need at that de- other defensive end position. And, and the Cowboys still have the draft to go. They drafted really well uh, in recent years. And so I think that, helps and that they feel like they can go get some starters out of this draft and that's going to be key because uh, they have a lot of holes to fill they've lost an awful lot of players and I don't think if you're comparing them right now to today to the team that finished the season they're not as good as the team that finished the season in 2021 uh, with that postseason loss to the 49ers so they've got some work to do to try to get back to to the talent that they had in that game and and they did underachieve last season as it was yeah, I agree 100% with you uh do you think Cowboys fans are too hard on the team for their decisions <laughs> in their draft picks well, you know, it's hard to say they're too hard on them when they haven't won a championship since 1995, haven't even been to the championship game. And you have these now generations of fans who've never seen their team win a championship. I was fortunate that I was a young kid growing up in the 70s. And so I got to experience all those five championships that the Cowboys won. That's one of my first memories is the Cowboys victory over the Dolphins. Uh, way back in in the 1971 season to win their first championship. So, you know, I've seen five of them, and, and it was exciting, and it's fun to root for your team when they win, and the Cowboys just haven't gotten it done repeatedly since beginning with the 1996 season. It's just been a failure since then. So, you know, I think they deserve everything they've gotten from the fans. It's been one disappointment after another for decades now. Uh, and it's really time for them to at least contend by getting back to the championship game. They've got to take that next step, at least getting to the championship game, if not to the Super Bowl. And then that gives you some encouragement that they're really close to the Super Bowl. Because I don't think there's anything right now that says this team's close to a Super Bowl. I just don't. And and I haven't been able to say that for quite a few years now. So it's time. It's time for the Cowboys to do something. And maybe it's time for them to do something different. Um, last question. Um, so what advice would you give to high school or college age students that are trying to get into the world of covering sports for a living? Well, I think it's really fun. And, you know, I've done seven Olympic games and almost 30 Super Bowls. And, you know, I get paid to, to do that, which, you know, sometimes I step, have to step back and go, wow, you know, I really, I get paid to, to cover this kind of stuff. So, if this is what you want to do, then I say go for it. And it's not going to be easy. There's going to be some hard times when you're going to have to cover some things you don't want to cover. I've covered Little League Baseball and, and stuff like that before. Um, and, and some of that is not fun. But you know what? It's meaningful to the people who you're writing about. Always remember that, that 
even if you don't necessarily enjoy it or want to be there or want to cover that particular thing, that you're learning something out of it. You're, you're learning from it. And while you're learning from it, you're writing something that means something to somebody else. So I think that's big and I think that's important. And I think that's important to remember when, when you're coming up to the ranks. It, it's going to be hard, but everything's a learning experience and that's just going to help you along the way. While we still have you here, uh, we're all going to take turns kind of just throwing some rapid fire questions at you. Okay. So right off the bat, I just have to know, uh, do you have any, like, since you've worked with the Cowboys for a while, uh, do you have any, like, do you have a favorite Jerry Jones story? <laughs> uh, there's quite a few. Um, probably my favorite is we were at the combat one year and, uh, we've been trying to get Jerry forever. And at that time as my coworker, Jennifer Floyd Eagle Engel, and, uh, we've been trying to, to get Jerry forever. And finally Jennifer calls me and says, Hey, I've got Jerry cornered down in the hotel lobby. Grab, I don't have a recorder. I don't have a paper. I don't have a pen. I don't have anything. So get down here and, and record this. And so I hustled down there and, and Jerry had ordered a bottle of wine and they had sat down and Jerry greets me and, and we were sitting there and uh, once you get Jerry stopped, like he'll talk forever. So he was talking forever and ever and ever and ever. And he had a team function, a team dinner he had to go to at St. Elmo's. And so it was time to go, past time to go. And so he asked the waitress for the, the bill and she comes and she sets it, sets it down in the middle of the table. Well, we're not supposed to let, you know, people we're interviewing pay for anything. I mean, that's part of your ethical responsibility. We're supposed to pick up the tab. And so I'm kind of looking at Jennifer because it's her story. I'm just kind of sitting there listening. I ask a couple questions. And I'm just kind of basically just sitting there listening, recording it with my recorder. And so I said, um, I'm kind of looking at Jennifer thinking she needs to pick up this check. She needs to pick up this check. And she never picks it up and she said later she was trying to make eye contact with me to tell me please don't pick up that check and so jerry pays the check and he leaves and she looks at me and goes oh thank god you didn't pay for that check you didn't pick up the check and i said why we're not supposed to let you know sources pay for she said, do you know how much that bottle of wine was i said no i had no idea she goes it was five hundred dollars so i don't think we would have gotten our money back for the paper if i had picked up that bill so fortunately jerry jones paid the bill <laughs> So, to my knowledge, you attended Texas A&M. Do you have a favorite player who's played football there, like, of all time? Um, well, there's a bunch. I mean, I loved watching Johnny Manziel play more than any other player, I think, ever. Uh, and it was fun being on his side and rooting for him and all those sorts of things. But Von Miller is probably my favorite, one of my favorite players of all time. Um, and certainly my favorite Aggie and, and my favorite guy to talk to. So he, he, he's a lot of fun. Um, and I loved watching him play at A&M and I love watching him play now. So probably those two guys, uh, you know, Johnny, just from a pure standpoint of, of watching him play, he was just so good in his two years of playing at A&M. Mm. Uh, do you have a favorite press box food? Favorite press box food? Well, anything at AT&T Stadium is pretty darn good. But, I, you know, you'd have to say they're mac and cheese because it's the best mac and cheese in the world, I think, um, at Jerry World. So probably the mac and cheese at Jerry World is, is number one. All right. Let's keep that going. Uh, so do you have a favorite story that you wrote that you're most proud of and that was most recognized? 
Yeah, probably. It it was uh, a story on Phil Bennett, who went to A&M and uh, ended up being head coach at SMU. At the time, he was offensive or defensive coordinator at um, Kansas State, and his wife was struck by lightning and killed. And I flew to Kansas State, um, and Phil Bennett was so good talking about his wife, his memories of his wife, and told a lot of great stories and, and shared a lot of stuff that was fantastic. And the story ended up winning all kinds of awards. And, you know, it was an easy one to write. It's one of those stories that the quotes were so good and, and everything. I talked to so many people. I just had to get out of the way of the story and let the tor- story tell itself. And I did a really good job of getting out of the way, letting the tor- story tell itself. Uh, and, this, and it wrote itself. And um, it's a sad story. Um, but I, 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 got to memorialize, I think, his wife, and, and he loved, Phil Bennett loved this story, um, because then people remembered his wife and things about her, and, and maybe some things that they didn't know, so that was definitely uh, the best story I have ever written, and the one that won the most awards. All right, all right, that's a great story, R.I.P., um, but who is your favorite follower on Twitter? I had LeBron James for a while, which he's a big Cowboys fan. I don't know if he still follows me or not, but when I worked for the Star Tower and covered the Cowboys, I had LeBron James. That was probably the best one I've ever had uh, on there. But, yeah, I've got some now, like Sean Payton and and some coaches uh, follow me, and so that's kind of cool. Johnny Manziel followed me for a while when he was playing. I don't know if he still does. So, um Jason Witten's always a good one because he'll always respond to stuff. So he's a good one. And Jeremy Warner, who won several uh, Olympic medals, uh, he's a pretty good one. He's a friend of mine. So there's quite a few, really. I need to probably look over the list now and, and see who else is on there. I heard LeBron James, and I was automatically astonished. <laughs> so for the last one, who is your favorite player in the NFL today? Favorite player, favorite player to watch or favorite player to talk to? Uh, it can be watch. There. How about we do watch and talk to? Okay. My favorite player to watch, you know, it's probably, it probably is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, I do love watching Patrick Mahomes play. He, he's just such a great player and does so many great things and Houdini acts. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's probably Patrick Mahomes to watch. Um. And then to to interview, um, you know, Vaughn's still really good. Vaughn's still a really, really good interview. Um, I'll probably go with Vaughn Miller still as my as my favorite interview. He's an outstanding interview. Um, so yeah, so I'll go with Vaughn Miller as my, my favorite player to interview. Okay, uh let's keep going with that. Uh what what cowboy did you enjoy covering the most as a player or person? Probably Jason Witten was still my number one. There's a bunch. Um, I love DeMarcus Ware, too. He's another one I would have to point out. And even guys like, you know, Des Bryant and T.O. Um, were entertaining, and they always gave you pretty good so I always had good relationships with, with both of those guys and, and enjoyed talking to them. So I would put them right up there, too. They were always good quotes. Um, there's so many. I mean, there's tons when you, when you cover the team that long. But I, I, Jason Wooden would be number one. What's the coolest stadium you've ever been in? 
I would say SoFi. I went to the Super Bowl this year at SoFi Stadium. It was my first time in the stadium, and I think it's the nicest stadium I've, I've ever been in. The only stadium in the NFL I have not been to is Las Vegas. Um, I would rank AT&T Stadium probably number two of, as the best stadiums I've been into been in. Um, but SoFi, SoFi was number one. There's no question. It's a great stadium. Okay, uh, last one. Who do you admire the most in the sports media field? Oh, I get myself in trouble probably for 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 naming just one. There's so many. Um, but you know, my co my former coworker who nicknamed me Mother Football is Clarence Hill from the Fort Worth Star Telegram. And you know, we're the same age and came up the same way and, and traveled together and worked together for 17 years. Um, and he's going to present me for the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in May. I picked him to present me because he knows me as well as anyone because we traveled together so long. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to single out Clarence just because we have a special relationship. But there's so many others that, you know, have meant so much to me and I've learned so much from and, and just reading them. Some of them I don't even know that well, but just reading uh, what they write, you know, is a good learning experience for me even now having done this for for almost 30 years so there's just so many good writers and and good journalists in this business good people okay thank you that's all the time we have today that was hall of fame voter shereen williams you can get her on twitter at nfl shereen thank you for joining us today so much we really appreciate your time we really do thank you thank you guys you have a great day Uh, you you too stay safe bye-bye want to hear us live Listen through our website at 999thewild.net.